Mason Smith, a likable yet quiet and reserved teenager, loved nothing more than retreating to his room at night and losing himself in anime. Mason had a deal with his parents, get good grades, and he can watch some anime on weeknights. And in August of 2015, Mason was doing just that. He had started a new school that year in St. George, Utah. And on August 31st, 2015, Mason texted his mom a picture of his grades to let her know that he was doing well. When he got home from school that afternoon, his dad wanted to take Mason out for a driving lesson. At age 17, Mason still had no interest in driving and told his dad that he had a headache and maybe they could go out some other time. He went to his room where he would stay for the rest of the evening. The next morning, September 1st, 2015, Mason's father, Darren, knocked on his door to wake him up for school around 7 a.m. Darren then went back to bed where he said they heard Mason get up and they heard him rummaging around in the kitchen and eventually leaving the house at 7.40 to catch the 7.45 a.m. bus that morning. Mason would never be seen or heard from again. Where is Mason Smith? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. We've grown quite a bit in these last few weeks, and we're so thankful to have more people listening to these stories. Our goal and mission of this podcast is to spread awareness of unsolved missing person cases. A quick disclaimer. Sometimes the cases we cover delve into some difficult topics and might be sensitive in nature to some people. I won't ever go into any graphic details, but the nature of the discussion can sometimes be pretty heavy, especially in cases involving children or possible crime scenes. Today's case talks about the disappearance of 17-year-old Mason Smith back in 2015. This case has been suggested to me by a few people, and I've been talking to someone involved in the case for a couple of months now. With the lack of updates and new information, I think it's time to put this case out there. I also want to quickly welcome our new patrons, Jessica and Kanari. Thank you for supporting our show, our mission, and our charity partners. If you're interested in joining our detective group over at Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash whereartheypodcasts. Before we jump into the case of Mason Smith, I want to give a huge thank you to this episode's sponsor, Simply Earth. You all know I have to check out each company before I recommend them, and I can't even tell you how much I love Simply Earth. I've always been very scent-driven and always loved using oils and diffusers, but never really knew how to use them to their potential. In fact, sometimes I would buy them and not even know what to do with them, and they would just sit there. This is what I love about Simply Earth. Simply Earth offers recipes to help you create the perfect blend of oils for you and your home. Their monthly kit, for example, comes with four different oils and six recipe cards. No more questioning what to do with them or how to use them. 
Not only does Simply Earth offer 100% pure oils, no artificial fragrance, and no fillers like you'll find with other store-bought oils, which, by the way, can also contain toxic properties, but they donate 13% of profits each month to charities dedicated to ending human trafficking around the world. And you all know how I feel about that especially after covering some of the cases we've covered. One of the products Simply Earth offers is a monthly kit, which takes the guesswork out of oils. They will send you four oils and six recipe cards every month. There is also no commitment. You can cancel at any time. Simply Earth even offers more than just oils. They have specialty kits, additional recipes, jewelry, and even personal care products like body wash, shampoo, and deodorant. Simply Earth is also more affordable than MLMs, healthier than buying from chain stores, and more fun because Simply Earth also walks you through the process of actually using your oils. The essential oils alone would cost over $100 from other companies, but with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four oils, six recipe cards, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more all-natural goodies. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth's Essential Oil Recipe Box. Plus, get a free 80-milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe using our link, simplyearth.com slash where are they. We will have the link on our social media as well as in our show notes for you. That's simplyearth.com forward slash where are they. Thank you so much to Simply Earth for sponsoring this episode. Now let's jump into the case of Mason Smith. Mason Smith was born April 7, 1998 to mom Tracy and father Darren. He was the youngest of six children and his older siblings took him under their wing for a while, playing with him, taking care of him, and spending time with him. When he was young, it was quickly learned that Mason had a speech impediment. Specifically, he was diagnosed with speech aphasia. Aphasia is typically a symptom of something else, but we don't have more details on any other condition that Mason may have had, so we'll have to presume it was just a speech disorder that he was born with. Someone with speech aphasia may speak in short or incomplete sentences They may speak in sentences that don't make sense. They may substitute one word for another or one sound for another, and they may speak unrecognizable words. Some people described Mason as sometimes speaking with slurred speech. In fact, when he was young, he was very close to one of his sisters because she was the only one who could understand him. The family would often rely on her to help them understand Mason, and because of that, Mason would go to her more than anyone else. She describes him as, and I quote, my little buddy. Mason would have speech therapy, and his speech did improve drastically over time. However, he would still struggle in school with his peers, and in middle school, he was picked on and bullied quite a bit. Mason, who was a quiet kid, possibly because of his aphasia, 
had a hard time with this and suffered from depression. His mother also suffered from seasonal depression and living in Alberta, Canada, that can be a tough battle. When Mason was 17 years old, the family decided to move down to St. George, Utah for a fresh start, better weather, and to be closer to his mom's Mormon community. By now, Mason's older siblings were grown and on their own, so Mason and his mother relocated to St. George and his father Darren followed a couple of months later. Mason was still a loner, an introvert, and his main hobbies and enjoyment in life revolved around writing music, playing video games, and watching anime. His parents had made a deal with Mason. As long as he got good grades in school, he could watch anime during the week. His mom at one time said Mason was almost obsessed with anime, and they were a little worried, especially because of its dark content. And they had hoped to keep Mason interested in other hobbies as well. For those who aren't too aware, anime is a Japanese cartoon art form and can often have dark themes or undertones to their cartoons. But the move to St. George had seemed positive for Mason and he seemed happy. Everyone in the family and those that knew him thought he had adjusted really well and they all believed that the move had been good for him. And Mason was just a couple of weeks into the new school year, but his grades were doing good. In fact, on August 31st, 2015, when Mason was on his way home from school, he texted a screenshot of his grades to his mother. He had all A's. Mason and his mom were very close. Mason was said to be a mama's boy and his mother was the one person he texted the most. Mason knew these grades would mean he could go home and watch anime. However, when he got home, his dad was there waiting for him and had other plans. He wanted to take Mason out for a driving lesson. Even at age 17, though, Mason had no interest in learning to drive or getting his license. But his dad was really trying to encourage him. And when Mason walked in the door around 3.15 p.m., his dad was waiting with the car keys. Mason was not interested. And he told his dad that he really wasn't feeling well and asked if they could maybe do it another day. His dad relented and Mason ended up going into his room. Later that evening, Tracy got home from work and went to check on Mason. She found Mason lying on his bed in his room in the dark. He told his mom he was fine. He just had a headache and she let him be. That night, around 10 o'clock p.m., Tracy unplugged the internet. Mason had a curfew of 10 o'clock and this included being on the internet. It was a common practice for Tracy or Darren to unplug the internet and in fact she usually took the entire cord and hid it for the night so Mason wouldn't try to sneak back online. But on this particular evening she said she was just feeling lazy so she just unplugged it. Sometime in the middle of the night Darren woke up and he said he had a feeling that Mason might have snuck up to plug the internet back in and sure enough Darren found Mason online. According to Darren, he told Mason to get off and go to sleep, and Mason did without a fuss at all. However, Darren did take Mason's phone and laptop from him that night. 
The next morning, September 1st, Darren woke up and as their usual routine, he went and knocked on Mason's door to wake him up around 7 a.m. Mason said he was up and Darren went back to bed. Both Darren and Tracy, who had remained in bed, said they heard Mason that morning in the kitchen and they heard him again around 7.40, leaving through the garage door, which meant Mason was on his way to the bus stop. Eventually, Darren left for the gym that morning and Tracy would wake up and go on to work. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Darren returned home after the gym and worked in the yard for the majority of the day. Around 3.15, he was expecting Mason home and he had hoped that they could go out for a driving lesson that afternoon. However, it was soon 3.30 and there was still no sign of Mason. Darren texted Tracy to let her know that Mason still wasn't home. She wondered if maybe he was upset about possibly having to go driving or upset over the events the night before, having lost his computer and cell phone. And of course, because of that, she couldn't text him because they had taken his phone. They decided to wait a little while longer, but Mason still never showed up at home. When Tracy finally came in the house after work that evening, they decided to go into Mason's room, but his door was locked which was unusual. They popped the lock and went into the room, but they really found no clues as to where Mason may be. Tracy then logged onto her computer and realized she had an email from the school, letting her know that Mason had not been in school that day. Tracy went from worry to panic. Where was her son? Mason was newer to the school, and because he was also very quiet and reserved, he really didn't have any close friends. She went through his phone anyway and texted every one of his contacts to see if they had seen him, but no one had. Later that evening, after they had exhausted all other efforts, they reported Mason missing. Police did take the parents seriously. However, they all believed that Mason had run away. He had been in trouble the night before, and they thought that he was just upset. Mason had also run away once before, two years prior while living in Canada. However, the night he ran away was exceptionally bitter cold, and he came home on his own after being gone for just a few hours. Law enforcement on duty in St. George that night kept their eyes open for Mason throughout their shift, but no one noticed anything. The next day was September 2nd, and Tracy decided to go through Mason's room more thoroughly. She ended up finding the school books that he normally took to school every day, hiding under a pile of clothes in his room, as if trying to hide them or delay someone finding them. She also found his wallet with his money and ID. This was a new level of panic because if he did indeed intend to run away, why wouldn't he take his wallet with his money and identification? On this same day, some people came forward and said they saw someone that matched Mason's description standing in a gas station near an on-ramp to Highway 15. Mason is a blonde hair, blue eyed, six foot four inch tall teenager, the distinct look. Highway 15 is the highway that runs straight from St. George directly to Las Vegas. This boy was holding a sign indicating he was 
trying to get a ride to Las Vegas. When police went to this gas station to investigate, they didn't see anyone. They requested the surveillance footage from that station and other nearby gas stations, but it would be a while before they would receive it. Meanwhile, they also received a separate tip that someone thought they saw Mason in Las Vegas. Because it seemed really coincidental that both of these tips came in separate of each other, they thought there might be some truth to it. Darren didn't wait for the surveillance footage to come in. He hopped in his truck and made the two-hour drive to Las Vegas immediately to search for his son. But he would find no sign of Mason. The investigators received the CCTV footage from those gas stations in that area and confirmed the young man people had seen was not Mason Smith. Searches were taking place all over St. George as people in the community learned of Mason's disappearance and came out to help. One woman reported that she thought she saw Mason walking the afternoon of September 1st around 3.15 p.m. on a street in their neighborhood, which was the same neighborhood that Mason lived in. She was certain it was Mason, but police were never able to to prove or disprove. Now, St. George is a beautiful area of Utah near the Red Cliffs National Conservation Area, and in particular, just down the street from Mason's house, was a very rocky desert-like area with some high drop-off cliffs. All of those areas were searched. The main consensus remained that Mason had run away. About a week after Mason was last seen, Tracy goes through Mason's wallet once more and finds a folded up note hidden in a pocket in his wallet. It was three pages long and it made Tracy's heart stop while reading it. While the note has never been made public, what we do know is that in the note, Mason talked about harming himself and specifically said, quote, I'm done, end quote. So the search intensifies for Mason as a new possibility enters people's minds. Did Mason run off to harm himself? The question is also asked, why did it take a week to find this note in Mason's wallet? Tracy had said it was in a hidden pocket, but a three-page note would be relatively thick and kind of hard to miss. It was also learned that Mason had thoughts of suicide before and had been hospitalized for about 10 days while living in Alberta, Canada. Red Rock Search and Rescue became involved and began searching areas near Las Vegas and St. George. Sightings would come in from all over. One in particular had the family hopeful. Two girls were eating at a Panda Express restaurant about two hours from St. George, and they were approached by a young man. This young man was quite tall, had blonde hair, and had a mild speech impediment. He had asked the girls for any spare change so he could get on the bus. The girl said he was very nice and polite, and they gave him all of their change. When they told their mother about this young man, the mother thought he sounded just like Mason Smith, a young boy she had heard about missing from St. George. 
She showed the girls a photo, and they believed it could have been the same boy. They called authorities who immediately tried to request surveillance from Panda Express, but found out their system had not been working on that day. Tracy was able to play a voicemail recording for the girls who agreed that it was definitely Mason that they saw. However, police said they later ruled out the possibility that the young man was Mason. They haven't given any details as to how they ruled it out, but they no longer believe that that was Mason Smith. There were sightings that came in from California also, and Tracy felt that was a possibility as Mason had always talked about living in California. Now, as people began to wonder if Mason ran away or if he had intentions to harm himself, others began to question the parents. While they seemed sincere, especially Tracy, who was very visibly devastated and working the media and being interviewed on the news, Darren stayed out of the public eye as much as possible. And police learned something that didn't fit within the timeline. They confirmed that Darren went to the gym the morning of September 1st, as he had said. However, his gym card shows him swiping in at 7.45 a.m., Remember, Mason left the home around 7.40 a.m., and Darren said he hadn't seen him because he was still in bed. How did he make it to the gym then so quickly? There has never been an explanation given to the public to help explain this. We don't know if there may have been an error on the gym's time machine or what possible explanation there may be to help us understand why there's a discrepancy. Maybe it's something, but maybe it's nothing. Investigators also put a GPS tracking device on Darren's truck for 60 days without Darren knowing. After the fact, Darren found out and said he didn't care. He had nothing to hide. And if it helped remove suspicion from himself and get the investigators back out there looking, that was all he cared about. Law enforcement said they found nothing useful, incriminating, or suspicious during the 60 days that they did track Darren. Police also took Mason's electronics to see if they could find anything on them, but his entire search history had been erased. Everyone remained baffled. So what are the theories in this case? Theory number one. Mason ran away. This is what Mason's mom, Tracy, believes. To this day, she thinks her son is still out there, possibly living in California. And she hopes one day to find him or that he will come home. Mason did express interest in California and he had run away at least once before. And with the sheer lack of evidence pointing elsewhere, police have not ruled this theory out. But it begs the questions. Why didn't he take his wallet with his ID and cash? How is he living and supporting himself? Did he maybe have help getting away? And this would have happened over six years ago, and Mason is now legally an adult. Why not come home or at least let his family know that he is okay? 
Honestly, I probably would have leaned towards this theory in the first year of his disappearance. But the fact that so much time has gone by now does make me wonder, how has he not been found? He has a unique look and a recognizable speech pattern, and he'd be 23 years old, almost 24. There's no reason to hide. Unless, of course, he is afraid of something. So I don't know. I suppose... This theory is still a possibility. Theory number two, Mason harmed himself. There is as much to this theory as the runaway theory, both he had done before, and there was evidence in the note he wrote that he was at least thinking about it. He had been in trouble the night before, and he had taken nothing with him when he left. It seemed that his electronics and his anime were his coping mechanism. Could his dad taking them away from him have set him off? Or could there have been something going on at school that his family wasn't aware of? In any event, while this theory is possible, where is he? Did he walk so far off the beaten path that no one has found him, despite years of trained search teams scouring the area? And how was he planning to hurt himself? He didn't have a weapon that anyone knew of. The family didn't have any prescription drugs and nothing was found to indicate the how and the where he might have planned to do something. So again, like the runaway theory, we can't rule it out, but I just don't know. Theory number three, trafficking. Could Mason have been lured by someone online? Was Mason able to completely delete any record of this so no one knows? There was no search history to analyze. This theory isn't talked about much in connection with Mason, but I don't think it can be ruled completely out either. He seemed to be very active online in some capacity. And he also seemed to be very vulnerable. Both of which online predators look for in a victim. Theory number four, foul play. This theory is a controversial one, and those that believe this might have happened are often pointing fingers at the family. Police have stated they have persons of interest in the case, but they haven't publicly identified who they are talking about. Many believe they are referring to Darren Smith, Mason's dad. But to date, we have no evidence pointing to this. Could it be foul play from someone else? Did Mason just plan to skip school that day to clear his head and someone saw a crime of opportunity? Or did he plan on running away and in the process met with foul play? So many possibilities in this case and with such a lack of real evidence, it's hard to really lean one way or the other. So what do you think happened to 17-year-old Mason Smith? Mason is described as a Caucasian male, 6 foot 4 inches tall, and weighing around 180 to 200 pounds when he was last seen. He has blonde hair and blue eyes and speaks with a mild speech impediment. It's unknown what he was wearing exactly, but he is believed to have had on his black Nike sneakers with blue soles, a size 14. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Mason Smith, 
please contact the St. George Police Department at 435-627-4300. Thank you so much for listening to Mason's Story. If you want more information, there is a Facebook group, Help Find Mason Smith, hashtag Mason's Army, and they are active on Instagram as well with the username Mason Smith Case. Let's continue to share Mason's story, his name, and his photo. A huge thank you once again to this episode's sponsor, Simply Earth. Remember to check them out with our link and receive a free diffuser. SimplyEarth.com slash where are they? The link will be on our Facebook page all week for you as well. Thanks again for listening to Mason's story, another case I closely monitor for updates, and we will share any as soon as they arise. We will be back on Friday with an episode up on Patreon, and of course, another Unsolved Missing Person episode next week. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones. 